join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. USA. We knew this was going to happen, didn't we? I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the United States of America <laughs> will be going into Group B uh, with England. Holy crap! Holy! (laughs) Oh my God, can you get the tea ready? Oh my God, USA, USA, USA. What just happened? What just happened? We will break this down together, this astonishing... So many levels. Remarkable. Sickening, the first part. An entirely predictable draw. Well, I guess almost entirely predictable. We didn't get Ghana, but bloody hell. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. I mean, <sighs> let's unpack it together in the only way we know how. Bang your questions into the comments, I will bring you up to the stage because I want to know how you're feeling, what you're thinking with this cognitive dissonance, this first exposure to a World Cup that is going to be held in Qatar, a World Cup in a city-state. Yeah, We knew it was going to Qatar. We couldn't believe it when the draw was made in 2010, but journalists have been wandering around Qatar for the last 48 hours, and it's like it's just hit them. Holy crap. Yes, they are going to try and stuff a World Cup into an area population-wise around the size of Chicago. I think it's smaller than bloody Connecticut, 100 miles from north to south, the Qatar Peninsula. We are going to jam all of this craziness, this chaos, this this wonder, this horror. Let's be honest, there's going to be a lot of horror into into a tiny, tiny sausage. We are going to talk about the United States. And yes, the draw against England and the draw against Iran and the draw against player to be named later. But we've got to start as you guys are putting your comments in and we're bringing you up to to stage, we've got to start by talking about what what did we witness in that first 45 minutes? The opening monologues in a land where arid desert and the Persian Gulf connect, the rulers of soccer royalty will reign. I mean, God, uh, God bless Rob Stone. He is in a tough position, tough position. I mean, Fox clearly decided to either focus on the football or just to get Alexi into a sand dune buggy. I mean, he used the phrase early on, it's going to be the most compact World Cup of all time. And in that moment, we realised this is going to be the World Cup of profoundly awkward broadcasting euphemisms. And God, I will say, the Alexi going dune bashing, which finished with, if you don't come to Qatar, you're missing out. It's like we have learned nothing from Russia 2018, where... We watched FIFA and Infantino, the FIFA president, cozy up, hug, kiss at one point, raise champagne glasses with Vladimir bloody Putin. So this is going to be, I want to be clear about this before we talk about the United States, this is going to be a World Cup of cognitive dissonance, the rational horror of FIFA's corruption and the darkness that led to Qatar being handed the World Cup in the first place and the lives that have been lost. The lives that have been lost. I know this is not what we want to talk about right now. We want to talk about USA. USA. We want to talk about England. We want to talk about Iran. But we need to bloody note 
the lives that have been lost to build all of this for our entertainment. You know, this is going to be the World Cup of fusing out with the emotional reality because I did feel that once the draw started, and I'm sure you did too. You know, the, the World Cup has been compared to an eclipse that sweeps the entire globe in the same moment, and we are 234 days away. Monday, November the 21st for the week ahead of Thanksgiving. That's when it kicks off. And I felt that too, side by side with the horror of the ghastly, just just, just the darkness. I felt the light, the light. We're going to make more bloody memories together. And I'm horrified and I can't wait. The good news is in this draw, the US were in it this time. I did love Clinton Yates tweeting a savage reminder of 2018, which he said, was the day the World Cup draw that 23andMe broke the Roots for Your Roots campaign. Um, so many Americans wanted to know who they should support by their DNA. We had Canada, we had Mexico, first and second in CONCACAF in the draw. God bless. So many messages from furious Canadians saying, why are we in pot four? We topped the qualifying group. And I just want to say this to all of our listeners north of the border, you are undisputed kings of CONCACAF. And in many ways, that's better than winning a World Cup, isn't it? Well, you think about that one, the ceremony itself, I've got to say, it was soul-crushing to watch. GFOP at Cold Ball GA tweeted. Um, he said the intro video was an oil-money-induced fever dream. I mean, it was Craven, the opening animation. It was ghastly. Hello, Laib. Coming from the mascot verse, full of energy, ready to bring the joy of football to everyone. Only FIFA, only bloody FIFA would have a ghost mascot for an event in which thousands of foreign workers have died. No stadiums made of bones to make the tournament ready. A reminder, again, as you watched it, a gas mouth open. I know I did. The World Cup, a global treasure. It is absurd. It is absurd. This is a propaganda show. So terrible. So craven that even Fox cut away from it in the middle. They were like, yeah, kick to Rob Stone. I want to say this. I love football. I love football. You know how much I love football. You know how important football is to me. It's aside from my family and my identity. It's the most important things in my life. But I hate this. I hate all of this. And it sickens me to my core. Idris Elba walking on stage. Oh, Idris, no. No, Stringer Bell would never. How much did they pay you? Ain't no new package. Just going to put that same shit out in a different colour gel cap is all. I mean, he introduced some acts so cheesy, juggling footballers with hula hoops. There was a shot of camel sprinkled in, I don't know what. But really, I was sitting there like the only way to watch this whole event comfortably is to do so while shining laser pointers deeply into your own eyes. And then came out Johnny Infantino, the head of FIFA, Shame to all balds who, I mean, Swiss media have just broken the news. He's moved his family to Qatar. You know, a man, a Swiss who works in Switzerland, FIFA based in Switzerland, has enrolled his kids in, in Qatari schools. You know, his office is in Switzerland, remember? Dodgy, what? Craven, yes. Um, he just looks like the baddie reveals at the end of every single James Bond film. The World Cup of Peace, the World Cup of Unity. You know, we had one more genuine lols moment. Carly Lloyd, God bless her, doing the draw. Low-key shot fired at our US men. Incoming friendly fire when she said, and I'm extremely proud of our US men for qualifying. That hurt, Carly, in every regard, you savage. Then to the draw, um, which is really like the world's most excruciating game of battleship. Um, and I feel like we give this caveat ahead of every single bloody football draw. You know, Davo is a is a quiz game uh, man in his heart. He does all those um, quiz game shows on television. And he says this, every he says the only reason nowadays any show, any quiz show or any draw, or any lottery or any football scheduling still uses balls in this day and age is so they can fix the draw. You know, game show world law, heat them or freeze them. It's how you make sure you get the groups you need, the groups you want to make the tournament fizz from the outset. At Mark D. Bertram tweeted us, I'd love to see an infrared shot of the balls just before the draw starts. My God, that would be must-see television. So let's talk about it. Group B. 
At least we didn't get Garner, I think is how I'd headline it. You know, as soon. I think I tweeted this an hour before the draw. We will get England. We will get England. I have no bloody doubt we would get England. And as soon as England were put in Group B, I tweeted again. Group B it is, lads. Um, So no surprise. No surprise. Long-time listeners will remember Men in Blazers covered the 2010 World Cup, um, for which this is very much... Just USA, England, two electric boogaloo. Um, yeah, you will remember this is the Rob Green derby where England swaggered into that game, believing three points were theirs by divine right. Um, and they scored and we equalized. I, I'd only just started on Twitter. I've got to find one of my first tweets was, please just shoot on sight. Their goalkeeper is nervous. And Clint just smashed the ball right through Rob Green. God love him, who tweeted immediately, shocked eyes, good laugh, old Rob Green. Um, he was really, he's kind of, if you didn't see Rob Green play, he was essentially Jordan Pickford's dad. Um, and that's it. My God, the English media, I will say this week, the Daily Mail yesterday had a big feature about how England and England fans are crying out for the United States, not because of history or royalty or to get back at Alex Morgan for the tea drinking. They just think we're crap. They really do think we are crap. Arjun Bidander in the chat says, international, eh, Blaze? Here we go. Didn't realise I needed this in my life. You know, God, and I want to be clear. I want to say this clearly. I'll say it once. I've just tweeted out the Alex Morgan tea drinking meme to make it utterly, utterly clear. I ride with the United States of America. I care about the United States, men's and women. That's all I think about. That's all I care about. I can't wait for this game. I want to be clear. You know, the American English media are laughing. They were, the, the first tweets about Group B were, my God, um, it means that we're going to face a team from Qatar's group in the first knockout round. A lot of them immediately said that. And whew, nothing is a given. Nothing is ever given in the World Cup. Um... Iran pulled out third in the group. Oh, God, I do fear that. That that made me sicker than England, to be honest. 1998 all over again. By the way, just to be clear, I I should have said we played England twice before in the World Cup. The first, let me give credit, because I do believe we have a great history of football in this nation. It flows through our blood. We just don't remember it enough. 1950, um, an incredible story, the the part-time um, US team played one of the greatest English teams of all time who expected to win the World Cup and shocked them. We won 1-0, a goal from a remarkable human being, Gatians, um, a Cuban. I think it was a dry cleaner um, who ultimately um, ended up passing at a very early age. But the, the, this story will be told a lot between now and November. You know, we, we had baseball catchers in goal. It was a group of True amateurs with spit and with wonder. If it, if it was a movie, uh, Sylvester Stallone's Hatch would play every single bloody part. So this is strictly not Boogaloo, Electric Boogaloo 2. This is Electric Boogaloo 3. We'll talk about, no doubt, in the chat a lot about how we'll do. I think it's a opportunity. There's threats from England, obviously. Uh, there's great opportunity. Iran, 1998. Um, and the uh, Haitian, sorry, God, get, that uh, Gaetans was Haitian and ended up going back to Haiti and, and disappeared there. It's said to have been murdered um, by, the, the, by, by the regime. But the true gem of American football, Iran, um, shade of 1998, where we played uh, shortly after the hostage crisis and um, lost. 2-1, I've, I've covered it deeply in American Fiasco, my podcast, um, where the US really, uh, the Alexi Lalas-led uh, team, really thought they were going to win the World Cup after 1994 and just ended up crapping the bed uh, horrifically. And the, the Iran game there was the, the new one, a game which was negotiated really by the State Department ahead of the game. It was as much off the field as on the field. And what happened on the field was terrible, humiliating, from an American perspective, really set the game back. Again, I've covered it in depth in my podcast, American Fiasco, that I made with WMYC, worth dusting um, that one out. And then we got the Wales, Scotland or Ukraine slot, the player TBD. By the way, one more word on Iran. 
Uh, it's not just us that's going to make this game feel a little bit like our game. Um, Iran recently released two imprisoned Britons. There's going to be a lot, a lot of off-the-field distraction in that one for both England um, and for the United States. And then the third game, my Lord, whoever we play, they're Wales, Scotland, incredible fans, incredible wonder, incredible possibility. And my God, do I need to say much about Ukraine? Team of destiny, team of wonder, team. I mean, everybody, if they make it, if they make it to the World Cup, everybody's bloody darling. Um, so that's Friday, November the 25th, the England game. Pencil that one in now. Thankfully, we play Wales, Scotland or Ukraine first. I say that thankfully because arguably that will be the least fraught game in terms of noise and challenge. Let's get that. I mean, if we played England first, my God, uh, that would be almost too much. And then we wrap up Tuesday, November 29th against Iran. I'm going to get to your questions um, in one second. Um, I really, I, I think, I want to say, I think we can do this. I think we can do this. I do, I do, and no doubt we'll talk more. I think the hardest thing, in many ways, is the political distraction, the noise off the field, the noise from England playing the. You know, we, we often conflate the Premier League and the English national team. They're two very different things. England are a very good footballing team. They are a very good footballing team right now. They haven't always in my lifetime. They're very good right now. Obviously, finalists in the Euros, semi-finalists in the last World Cup. But we can do this. They, you know, it's a team that scored a lot of goals off um, offset pieces, um, throw-ins, free kicks, uh, penalties. Uh, they play defensive football first. We can do this. And I, I'm guessing there'll be a lot of questions about this, and I, we'll talk more. There, a lot is going to do with the bloody mindset of our boys. Um, do they believe they can win when they take the field? I speak to so many American players of Europe where they talk about their World Cup experience and they say, honestly, when I set foot on the field against Belgium, I didn't think we were going to win. We've almost lost before we've taken the field. These games will be fraught. The points are there. The points are there. We can emerge from this bloody group. We really can. In other groups, first ball picked, Qatar. They'll face the Netherlands. I cannot wait for that game. Louis van Gaal, who 10 days ago spoke out wondrously about how Qatar was just, you know, he said, he said it, it's shit was his word that Qatar have the World Cup. It's just corruption. It's money. That's all that matters to FIFA. LVG, those press conferences will be the do not miss event of the first round of the World Cup in the run up to that game. Group C, Messi and Argentina against Lewandowski's Poland. Cannot wait for that game. Group E, looking very, very, very deathy. Indeed, Spain, Germany, Japan. Group G, Brazil somehow, you know, always gets always gets a tasty, tasty group that they can possibly get out with. I'm not saying hot balls, but I'm not, not saying hot balls. Brazil, Portugal would be a tasty, tasty, linguistically fraught round of 16 match. And Group F, Canada must be pretty bloody happy. They dodged most of the big names. Uh, Belgium, Croatia, Morocco, all incredibly good football teams, all incredibly good winnable games there. The good news is Canada are a very good footballing team with a very good idea of how they play. Oh, let the dark horse talk begin for our north of the border, kings of CONCACAF. Um, and that's it. You know, Michael Owen, God bless him, tweeted, um, already not a bad draw at all. No reason why England can't progress out of the knockout stage. Wales or Scotland too. I mean, the disrespect um, is all I am saying. Let us, with no further ado, get in there. Let us, you know, one more thing I do want to say before I take your questions. It has to be said again. Um, US soccer now have, what is it, 231 days? 231 days to get this right, to work out what their message is about this Qatar ridiculousness, this horror, this human rights abuse, this this sports-washing reality. Get on it. Find your message as a federation. The players need to start speaking out now um, identifying their own parts. And by the way, we as fans need to bloody do the same. I'll say this as my last word on this. Do we go? Do we go to Qatar? You know, I went to Russia briefly with J-Dubs. We went for like three or four days. And I realize now, a lot of journalists have reflected on this, that we all did Putin's bidding. 
broadcasting his propaganda about the kind of Russia, particularly the English journalists who followed England on this journey across Russia, how incredible every city was, the buildings, the love, the, the incredible people. What a, what a place to be. We were doing Putin's propaganda bidding. And I want to be clear, I will not be doing this again with Qatar. Everybody's coming to their own position. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not morally superior. Um, I want to savour the football. John Oliver came on our show and talked about this predicament, that the World Cup is, for me, really the greatest event in my life. I've, I can measure my life by the memories, World Cup to World Cup. You know, he said, I will be watching. I'd like to pretend I won't be, but I will be watching. But... I am not going to be going to Qatar. I'm barely going to say the word. I don't want to give them the propaganda win that all of this, that the, the corruption, the bribery um, has been invested using the thing we love for the sourest and most awful uses. And now the US are qualified. US soccer has got to do the hard work, define a position as a federation tackle the thorn of moral questions posed by FIFA's brazen choice. You know, a choice, I will remind you, it's currently under global indictment and investigation for bribery and corruption, a choice which has led to the death of thousands of foreign workers. This is a World Cup soaked in blood. And it's horrible to say this, and I know it's a downer. And the Federation players, and we as fans too, must work out our positions. We really, really will. Our message our message matters. And with that, let us dive in. Let us dive in to, to the questions. Let's unpack this together, America. Let's do it. John Celso, come on stage. Tell us where you are and what's your question. Hey, Raj. I'm coming from the newly crowned American Qatar of Connecticut, home of your Florida Cup hopefuls, the Hartford Athletic of the USL. Hey, what is your question, you beautiful human being? <laughs> well, I'm leading off with a, a pretty simple question to, to get things going. Um, so so where, where do you see us? Do you see the ghosts of 1998 coming back to haunt our boys in red, white, and blue? Or do we look over the fence, take a, a good look at those folks in Group A and go, forget the group stage. We can go right to the quarterfinals and play with the house money. Where, where do you see us in that range? I mean... I mean, we need to know who the third team is. I want to be clear. I think a lot of teams are going to um, overestimate um, the, their ability to beat the U.S., like Michael Bloody Owen is doing um, as we speak. And I don't want to start to overestimate the other teams accordingly. I think Iran are a bloody good football team. I um, I really do. I think they. I've only watched them once in qualifying um i mean they they play football which will threaten the us um they, they are a footballing side in every regard wales are a joyous team of destiny um scotland are what the us used to be in the good old days a collective where every individual um really makes a a squad with such spirit that it, it, it that's what makes them their threat. And they play a robust football, um, which is very conquer Um, Ukraine, I mean, all bets are off. I have not seen those footballers play uh, post the trauma of, of invasion and, and, and catastrophe. Um, but my God, sports is written with, with fairy tale stories of teams emerging from the Japanese women um onwards from trauma to deliver national glory um and so i mean england is really the game that i think most people will start opining uh, about i'll say this you know all these games are fraught um they are they're going to be a massive amount of noise off the field the the, the iran game is going to be it's going to be just a a furor and iran game in qatar is going to be a political diplomatic and by the way, it pulls in the footballers. 1998, the, the team were being briefed constantly by the State Department. Um, England, again, who are we? Who are we as America? Do we do we ever still have? I mean, we've just we, the 2018 failure gave us such a sense of of being lesser, of just being lesser as a footballing nation. We are going to go up against England. There's a mythology, you know, all the English coaches that pour over here that we think are good at football because they speak English and we we let them 
train our kids. Well, I might just do it. I mean, we we do. We revere England. We are the scrappy do. Um, they are King Scooby Doo in every regard. Um, that first of all, from a footballing perspective, they're a bloody good footballing team. Um, and the thing I fear about the United States. Can we beat them with the squad we have? Yes, we can beat England with the squad we have. Absolutely bloody hell we can. There is so much talent, so much young talent in this United States squad. It's incredible. But please don't try and make us play like Barcelona under Pep Guardiola. If we try and play possession football, if we try and play, play it out the back football, if we try and control the game, this is not how we are going to win. We're not going to win many matches in the World Cup like that. Just be clear, we're not going to football our way to glory. We're not going to football our way out of this group. We are going to, that, that, we will make mistakes. We are a mistake-prone team that cannot pick apart a, a low block in any way, shape or form. And England, if they're good at one thing, it is preying on opponents' mistakes. Harry Kane, um, and his ilk, Phil Foden. My God, they are they are they are coiled to prey on. They, they know the opponent is going to make two or three, probably four or five in an international game. Um, they know that there will be mistakes in an international game, and that's what they're primed for. The US makes so many self-inflicted mistakes, many of them because we try and play an elaborate form of football, which is overcomplicated. And if we use the time between now uh, and November to try and simplify our game, to simplify to, in every regard, have one captain. Um, who is our goalkeeper? Let's stop trying to be nice. Who is our goalkeeper? Who is our captain? Who is our striker? If we can define roles, make things clear and play you know, a, 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 a simpler game of football, my God, when you look at that personnel, um, I do believe we can do it. And the other thing, by the way, that will be a big difference for the US is can we can we learn to score from free kicks and set pieces and not th- those are gifts in international football, free kicks and set pieces with Zimmerman's head, with Robinson's head, um, with Weston McKinney. Um we we can score from free kicks. And if I were running the US team, which thank God for the US team, I am not. But if I was, all I would do in training is just free kick, set pieces um, and throw-ins in the final third. I would have a throwing coach, the throwing coach that works with Liverpool Football Club and has given them such a competitive advantage. Those are the only three bloody things uh, I would focus on. Let's do it, John. Let, I think we can win, but winning, we have to win ugly. I want to be clear, we're not going to football with great beauty uh, our way through uh, to our dreams in this one. Let's bloody grit it out and do what we need to do. Next one up, oh, Zach Taylor. Come on up, you beautiful human being. Tell us where you are and what's your question. Hi, Raj. Um, I'm calling from Pittsburgh, um, home of Zach Steffen's former USL club, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Um, <laughs> hopefully he's the goalkeeper by then. Um, but my, my question was related to the timing of this draw. Um, do you think it was a disadvantage for the U S um, it coming before the intercontinental and European playoffs? Um, just because New Zealand and Costa Rica was first drawn to our group. However, because Costa Rica could possibly win that game, it was pushed to uh, group C so um, do you think if New Zealand wins that game, the U.S. has a little bit of a beef um, about when this draw took place? It's so funny because it was written about a little bit before the draw. What, what Zach's saying is because two um, teams from CONCACAF can't be in the same group um, and because Costa Rica are playing New Zealand and there is a slim chance that New Zealand will beat Costa Rica. So they theoretically could have been in, when they were drawn in what should have been Group B. Instead, they had to get pumped to another group. So you're really asking about an intangible of an intangible. If it wasn't, if it wasn't, it's almost if it wasn't cubed is really what you're asking. And I'll just say, Zach, if that's what we're focused on going into the World Cup, and if that, God forbid, you know, we do not fulfill our dreams and get out of the group, and that's what we cling on to in the week, then that will be a 
that will be a disappointing and sorry tale. So I will say those are the teams. It could have been, this this group could have been so much worse. I want to be clear, this group could have been so much worse. This is doable. There is a pathway through. It is fraught. But we are not in. We were in a harder group in 2010. This is not 2010. There is a part. We're in a harder group in 2014. Uh, harder from a footballing sense. The, the, the thing that's bloody hard here is the noise and the mythology and the fear um, and the sense of history. This is not free 300, a remake of the movie 300. This team is not going to be backs against the wall. Our chances are slim, but we always back ourselves. Let's do it. If we have a footballing great leading us, and this is a big test of Greg Berhalter, ultimately. This is a big test of, of the planning. I mean, I remember interviewing Jurgen Klinsmann right after the 2014 draw. And he, you know, when the US were handed not just a raft of opponents who were terrifying, but the longest distance between the three games and climate challenges, which were terrifying. Manaus! It's a victory that we're not bloody playing in Manaus again. And the U.S. soccer, I really admired how they immediately went into planning mode um, in that World Cup and how they go again into planning mode, how they prepare calmly, thoughtfully, strategically, looking uh, like data analysts, you know, like, you know, like Billy Bean. We have to Billy Bean our way through this bloody World Cup. Uh, but let's not draw on. We don't. We're bigger than that. We are bigger than this, Zach Taylor, and we already have to start pulling on strings. But it should have been New Zealand. Let's bloody play England. Let's bloody play around. Let's go and play whoever else comes out of the European realm. And let's do them. Let's bloody do them. Oh, Godspeed. Next one up. Oh, Christina Stotts. Christina, tell us where you are and what's your question. Good afternoon, Roger. This is Christina from Joplin, Missouri, and a longtime lover of U.S. men's and women's soccer and our Kansas City men's team and future St. Louis team. I wanted to ask a question about what you were talking about earlier with the United States men's national team needing to make a statement. I mentioned earlier in the chat does President Biden go ahead and tell the U.S. men's national team that we are not going to send any diplomats like we did with the Olympics, given that there are similar, you know, civil rights violations with Qatar as we had with China? Yeah, I mean, Christina, you know me. Um I am not a geopolitical expert. Mm -hmm. In a way, we are all going to become geopolitical experts in the next 231 days. Um, I mean, what I will say, one of the resolutions I've taken uh, upon myself and all of us at Men in Blazers have taken upon ourselves is to really lean in and to try and do the hardest work we can on mm -hmm. the, the geopolitical um underpinnings of all of this and i think please god there'll be a lot more content to come um in the in the uh, over the summer but so i i can't I, I am not gonna now platform and start to say president biden must there's different levers of power and notice how i said levers i'm, I'm just mm -hmm. trying to I'm becoming i've never been more american than i am today when uh, when the u.s men drew england levers it is i'm not i'm ditched <laughs> No more levers for Rog, it's levers. So there's many levers for power for President Biden. Um, and a, a couple of the teams, the Scandinavian teams, have already said that there will be no diplomatic um, uh, party mm -hmm. sent over uh, for this World Cup, no press ops in that regard. They're going to turn it into a sporting uh, endeavour um, only. And you know, what, what America does, I mean, Biden tweeted almost immediately about the U.S. qualifying, which was really lovely to see, both that we bloody qualified and, and that he then, he then tweeted. But um, my God, I'm fascinated to see that. That's where it needs to go. Um, it, it, it is a, but it shouldn't be, to be clear, it also shouldn't be led 
I don't think that we don't have to wait for, for Biden to do his thing. I'd love to see U.S. soccer leading. You know, you look at the teams that have really led in this moment. It is the Scandinavian teams who have done the most thinking, the most acting. Louis van Gaal's taking it on himself to to drag the Netherlands um, into the fray. And I do. I mean, it's both a federation issue. It's a it's going to be a individual. Play. We have deeply intelligent players. I love listening to Tyler Adams. Uh, speak on any subject. He is a bloke who thinks about you know about the world way beyond football. I love listening to Weston McKinney um, for, for just two uh, gentlemen, um, and I'm fascinated to see what they do and how they do it. God bless Weston needs to get a better sound system uh, next time he's on Fox. But the um, but the final thing is already when you look at the number of tickets that have been. When you look at the um, you look at the you look at the tickets that have been sold for this World Cup, and the leading foreign group outside of Qatar is is the United States. And what our fans do? I mean, there's a huge number of Americans are going to go over what they do um, and how they do it is um, is going to be utterly crucial. God bless in every regard, Christina. Are we going to do it? Do you think we're we going to get out of the group? <laughs> it's going to be ugly i'll just say that and i'll also say watch out for denmark i know you talked about ukraine being a cinderella team i could see denmark also being another cinderella team during this world cup Oh, yes. Oh, there is no doubt. I could not agree with you more. And no one will be cheering harder um, than than no doubt you and me. I mean, it's been a delight. It's been a human delight. And I think regular listeners to Men and Blazers will know every single bloody thing Christian Eriksen does thrills me um, in every regard. But my Lord, he is taken to the field, both with Brentford and with the Danish team. And when he came back to the Danish team, there was a, a piece of social content with a Danish team greeting him. And um, it was very funny. Uh, you know, it was meant to be emotional. He was back with them for the first time, but they just kind of got up and shook his hand or gave him a very quick, embarrassed hug. And a number of GFOPs, including the great Bobby, um, who are married to uh, Danes or no Danes very well. So that, that was just an incredible outpouring of emotion um, for, from Danish standards, but I love watching him. It's so validating in a way that transcends sports. So I hope Christina, my God, you are right. And Denmark, Denmark, go deep. Godspeed. Come on up, Colleen Whelan. Tell us where you are. And watch hey car. Raj, good afternoon. Um, I am in the Northeast of New Jersey, the site of two, one of, or two very hopeful 2026 Games, maybe. <laughs> MetLife Stadium is a stone's throw away in Red Bull Arena. So I'm not sure what the plan is going to be. But um, anyway, um, first, I just wanted to say, um, oh, gosh, Raj, thank you so much for your opening. I don't want to be Debbie Downer either, but God, the conflicting feelings I have. Ugh the grossness of, you know, the whole Qatar situation and what oh. happens to even get to this point and that nothing was ever done, but I don't want to be, I don't want to focus on that. I'm just, Oh goodness. Um, England again. Oh, and I, I remember the 98. I remember that I was actually in Montreal on that game. And there was, I did not know there was a larger Iranian community there. Um, and so they were out and I remember that so well because they were out in full force on the streets of Montreal. <laughs> on one of the great, it's one of the great days in Canadian history when America got stuffed by Iran. But um, <laughs> oh my goodness, the the, the community there. Uh, what, so what, I remember that so well. And I go back, I go back to when Ireland played Italy in at what was Giant Stadium then at that time in '94. And how and I think you could probably tell by my name which shot I was on of that and. Um, but the prelim for at least all the local media here was Italy, 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 because the Italian community in the area. And then when they were dwarfed by the number of Irish fans there, it was like, 
oh, there are Irish people here too in this area. So that was a lot of fun. But that's like, that's how far back I go um, with the US team. God bless. God bless. I love your proof that the World Cup is about making memories. But what's your question, Colleen? Um, you know, I know. What are you you're asking us our thoughts? Are they going to get out of the group? But I think they have the potential. I just the individual quality of the players excites me so much. But, I, you know, they just ha- I, they just haven't lived up to it yet. That's true. That's true. Can I remind you what your question was? <laughs> Sorry. You, so, you, you, you wanted to talk about Qatar, right? And the fix for Qatar. That was what you were talking about. Yes. Yes. Ah, that's a pretty, I feel like that's the easiest group. What did, yeah. Do you think that's the easiest so you, group? You were asking, what's the fact? And by the way, I love you in every regard, Colleen Whelan. We need to have a show together where we go through your World Cup memories. And listening <laughs> to you, it's proof of the truth that we're dealing with, the cognitive dissonance between, you know, the thing that gives us such profound memories and the bloody thing um, yeah. just being used in a contorted fashion for for the, what do they call it, the buggy, whatever they went in, the June b- b- d- buckling business or whatever the heck it is. And the reality is, um, you look at Group A, Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, Netherlands. Um, you know, I want to be clear, Senegal are a phenomenal footballing team. They are champions of Africa. Um, They're probably first in that group. Uh, well, you know, the Netherlands, also a wondrous um fist in a way they haven't been in a while and they will be looking at that uh, there'll be I, I will say there'll be a lot of a lot of orangey booms being opened across the flatlands uh of the netherlands um right now as we speak uh, i mean it's a relatively kind group i mean this whole thing i, I just read david con's book uh, about the fall of the house of fifa and he tried to understand in this book and i'd encourage everyone to read it what why does this we all love football we love football why has this thing which organizes football become such a rotten to its core base culture of bribery corruption and human lizardry um and the reality is what's happened is that the world cup is the last standing global billboard in this era of ever more narrow casting you know in america the super bowl is seen as the standard for advertisers if you make noise through the world cup you are seen around the world and so who gets to host it in this here and now and by the way i want to be clear the u.s sent president clinton to the the announcement in 2010 for who was going to host it the u.s thought the 2022 world cup was in the bag they thought they had won it they thought they'd done all that they needed. And their huge mistake, naively, was to realize that ultimately the World Cup in the here and now, in our era, just goes to the host country that is willing to pay an infinite amount for different reasons. The has the deepest wallet. Not unlike, by the way, club football, the teams that are owned by owners who have ulterior motives and infinite resources. Those are the superpowers. And so the U.S. was humiliated around the draw. They thought 2022, it was coming here. It wasn't. It's gone to Qatar because they are willing to, they, they were willing to pay absolutely anything. And as according to the uh, the investigation um, started by the, the American authorities, um, I mean, they paid off huge, huge, huge amount of bribery, huge amount of uh, inducements paid to the decision-making group who announced those hosts. Um, and that's it. So when you pay that much money, you kind of get the draw that you get. That's really my point about Group A. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't, it's not the easiest group. There is a pathway out. And by the way, Qatar are the only first-time qualifiers in the World Cup, and they're quite good. They spend, they've sunk a fortune into coaching. They've sunk a fortune into youth development they've sent a fortune into they don't want be they do not want to be embarrassed they do not intend to be embarrassed uh and that's that god bless in every regard caleb hancock oh come be with us we'll take these last couple of questions on the quicks and uh, and pull this together but caleb tell us where you are and what's your question hey raj it's great to be here uh, i'm calling from oklahoma city home of local legend daryl dk 
God bless. So, I hope he's going to the bloody World Cup. I'd love to see him back in the fold for sure. Um, so, you know, I was looking at kind of the international calendar for next year. There's really not a lot of space to figure out some some teams that we want to go against to prepare for for Qatar. Look, we got the Nations League in the summer, and then it looks like an international window in September. So my question would be, if you're Triple G in U.S. soccer, who, like, which teams would you be looking to match up with to get us ready for the World Cup? Such a good question, Caleb. Um, I mean, this is a weird World Cup for so many different reasons. The big one that I've bored you all about at the top of this podcast. But there's another thing we have to acknowledge. COVID has impacted this World Cup um, in a remarkable way. It's meant that South American football has largely been played in a bubble for the past couple of years. European football has largely been played in a bubble. England just played Ivory Coast, you know, desperate to try and mix it up for the first time in a long time. Um, And CONCACAF, we have played football in a bubble um, in every single regard. Um, And so, you know, there hasn't been the cross-pollination, the osmosis, the kind of preparation that you would really want. Secondly, there's going to be very little time to prepare for the World Cup. You know, normally we have a summer send-off tour and the team camp together for weeks uh, just so they can kind of sacrifice London Donovan to the football gods and then you know, go across America playing teams, revving up the fan base, and then they, they head off and then they play a couple of games when they get there just as friendlies. There will be none of that this time. Remember, Qatar, they've scrapped up the traditional footballing season to jam this in in November. And these players, as I understand it, as of a month ago when I last spoke to um, to uh, U.S. soccer, they're, they're going to kind of go right from football, right from their clubs. They're going to fly right there. There will be not a pre-game anything in the United States. Um, and that may change. I don't think it will do. And so this is going to be a World Cup without much gelling, without much anything. And so who we do pick in those few precious friendly slots, because there is the Nations League, I mean, God, if ever there's a terrible time for the Nations League. Um, I, mean, I, I would genuinely, I wish they could go to Europe and play European teams in that in that summer slot and really test themselves steel against steel, get used to taking the field against teams with reputations, with footballing histories, with mythologies, and look at each, learn to look at each other and be like, guys, we're not afraid of these. We can bloody do this. Um, honestly, there's talk of them playing Argentina. Argentina coming in shortly to play a two-game tour. Um, that would be fantastic. It would be hilarious. We'll all go and watch training. We'll scream at Messi. Um, you know, I would want Italy. Um, I mean, Italy right now, hilariously, are going to be making bank. They can pretty well, you know, they, Italy are like the greatest sparring partner uh, before a heavyweight fight that you could get in the ring with to test yourself. And I believe Italy will probably be able to make a fortune just sending themselves out to who wants to play us, who fancies it, who wants to take us on. I mean, more than anything, um, we need to play better teams than us. I mean, the CONCACAF journey is weird for many reasons. It's not as weird as it used to be. That's one, I don't want to go off on that segue, but you know, Costa Rica's new stadiums taken away that element. Azteca's refurbishment has minimized that threat. Um, it's still a great threat, but it's not what it was. We need to play great teams. We have not played great teams. I mean, I hope, by the way, the other side of this World Cup, the next World Cup's not until 2026. We don't have to qualify for that one. Um, and the honest truth is, how do we get battle-hardened when we're not even qualifying? And I hope we start to play, I hope we get invited to the Copa, to the Copa America. We need to start playing regularly um, down in South America. Mostly, Caleb, short answer, we need to play any team who is going to dominate us in possession, that is going to uh, take the upper hand, that we're going to cede control of the game to, and that we're going to be the team who are in the low block, and we're going to counter. We're going to counter through Tim Weyer. We're going to counter through uh, Gio Reyna. We're going to counter through Polishit. We're going to counter through Brendan Aronson, footballing Timothy Chalamet. And that's who we need to spar with, teams where we are not supposed to be the dominant power but we believe in our chance and we're going to take them like Leicester did when they won the league in every regard. Jacob, Caleb, do you think we're going to do it? Last word, last word on your question to you, big man. I think we can, I think we can, we can make it out of the group and, and make some noise for sure. I'd, I'd love to see us go pretty far. 
Um, that's Caleb. God bless you, you beautiful man. Thanks, Raj. I'd like to see us go pretty far too. Jacob Brown in the chat says, I can't wait for Thanksgiving with a World Cup in the morning, followed by the Detroit Lions. Oh, my God. Can you think of a different team other than the Detroit Lions when you are bringing up the U.S. men's national team just because in every regard? Max Caracuso, tell us where you are and what's your question. Hey, Raj. How's it going? I'm calling from Burlington, Vermont right now. Oh, that's um, a beautiful spot. God bless. I love that football team and what they're doing up there. It looks yeah, no, they're doing. They're gonna make moves in that uh, the U.S. Open Cup. God um, bless. God bless. For, first, I'd like to start with the greatest injustice that is occurring during this World Cup, which is the November timing of it will cause me to fail the first semester of my senior year in college, um, <laughs> and and I think that's that's something I'm just gonna have to live with and move on, and that's all right. But I promise you, Max. It will be yes. worth it, mate. When you make decisions, life is about decisions. And when you make great decisions like that, <laughs> and if you keep making great decisions like that, great things await for Max Caracuso. Let me tell you. But what Agreed. Thank, thank you. Appreciate it, Raj. Uh, my question is going to be um, what well, comes from me looking at uh, my quote-unquote dark horse team for the tournament, which is going to be uh, Senegal with their – uh, double over Egypt in the last uh, two or three months, and their squad, which is kind of kind of insane. I think they can make some moves coming out of a pretty easy Group A. Um, so my question would be maybe a quick word on that Senegal team with Sadio Mane up top from uh, my Liverpool FC, and maybe what who your uh, dark horse team would be for the yeah, tournament. I mean, here's who I hope my dark. Great question, Max. Here's who. I hope will be the dark horse team of this World Cup. And I hope it with all of my heart. I honestly think Canada. We don't think of them as a dark horse because we are now so familiar with them. But they are going to surprise a ton of people who have not followed CONCACAF. Believe it or not, outside of CONCACAF, CONCACAF is not really a thing. There's not a deep following of the ins and outs of CONCACAF. Um, across Europe and I do believe Canada having watched them the way they play um, they're fantastic and I think that um, John Herdman's cohesive system when he on there to me that's the exact system you need there's a number there's a nasty strain of American fans who will tweet at us oh Canada can't be kings of CONCACAF all they did was bunker down and then score against the run of play. I will say, keep bloody doing that, Canada. It is fantastic. They have a real plan, a real understanding of how to play football and a real chance. I mean, Belgium, Morocco, Croatia are damn fine footballing teams, but they should go in um, and fancy their bloody chances in every regard. I did get all my Canadian friends have been texting me being like, oh, crap, we're cooked. You're not cooked. You can bloody do this. I mean, it's not just Fonzie as well. I mean, there are players testing themselves abroad in the most wonderful way. Jonathan, uh, David, I love that guy. Kyle Larin. Also, by the way, Cornholio in goal is going to have a big challenge. Does he wear the tracksuit pants in 106 degrees? That may be the great tactical question um, for Canada. They will go as Cornholio goes. And then your Senegal. And why this is what's fascinating. You know, African teams in European World Cups don't do well. African teams in South American World Cups don't do well. Senegal in a whole World Cup played in the Middle East for the first time. God, what a dark horse they are. That Group A with Mane, Mendy, Koulibaly, Ghana Gray. Um, these are elite European league players. That team is stacked. It is absolutely bloody stacked. Um, they're defending AFCON champs. They beat Egypt on penalties twice. Um, you know, African teams have the best the best nicknames in football. And I think Senegal will now be known as laser pointers. And I think, my God, if their fans unleash those lasers, um, if we may see them go super, super deep. Max Caracuso, quick word on the US from you. Are we going to do it? 
Roger, I think we're going to do it. Back-to-back World Cup champs. Let's get it. I love you. I love you, Max Caracuso. Come on, anytime. I love you, Roger. Human being. I just realized I don't know what, what it is when I say, oh, are we going to do it? I just love that. We're going to do it. Confidence. Oh, mate, so your fifth year, Max. Enjoy your fifth year, fella. Come be with us anytime. Thank you, Roger. Time. Thank you very much. Tom Cunnington, come be with us, you beautiful human being. Tell us where you are. What's your question? Tom Cuddington. Tom has. Oh, you're there. You've got to take yourself off mute, mate. You're such an amazing. You've got the most world's most beautiful icon. For those who can't see it, Tom is just philosophically looking down. It's a moody moment for Todd. It's a reflective moment. But Todd, take yourself off mute. Because if you can't ask the question, I'm going to ask the question for you. Because it's a good one. Toddy Cunningham, TC, come on, cuds. Oh, the cuds. I'm going to ask it for you, mate. Who says Todd Cuddington in Todd Cuddington's accent? Who do you want from the Euro playoff? Um, remember, it's Wales, it's Scotland, it's Ukraine. God, that is... If Sophie, in Sophie's Choice, had three children, that is a bloody... That's a bloody... high. And the, the tough thing, Todd, asking myself your question myself, I don't know what you mean by who do I want. Like, who do I think is crappest? Of those teams, who do I think the U.S. can can beat the most? God, I, that is tough because Wales and Scotland, as I said earlier, they're both like facing USA 1994. They really are the collective um, fist. I mean, Wales probably got the edge in that. The for oh, the Gareth Bale hot hand um, when we give Wales a when Western McKinney um, plows through. Um, Rambo uh, just outside the area I mean every free kick is going to feel like a penalty, it's like facing an NHL goaltender who's just gone super super bloody hot Um, so I'll say out those two, Scotland and Ukraine, you know when you say who do I want as a human being or as a US fan, because as a US fan probably want Scotland Um, you know who always their fans come over and they've got a joke that will be home before our postcards the postcards young listeners that they used to send back from their vacation to their loved ones Scotland and World Cups really a story of doom but God Wales first World Cup in forever and who do I want like from as a human Ukraine who would not want Ukraine to be I almost want FIFA to do something very wrong but very right and just give Ukraine a bloody place now. Just award them a bloody place and have them in. So, my God, Ukraine team of destiny will be one of the great bloody stories. I will say any one of those teams will bring such joy to this World Cup, all three fan groups. So my answer to your question, Todd, let's get rid of England and Iran. Just have Wales, Scotland and Ukraine in our group. That would probably be my solution. Last word, last question. To the very patient and very gorgeous, Sam Laidlaw. Sam, tell us where you are. What's your question? Hey, Raj, calling in from Plymouth, Michigan, right between Detroit and Ann Arbor. Um, so question for you. What we know today, who is the best starting 11 for the U.S. come November 21st? And how does it include sleeper agent Harry Maguire? Oh, the, the, <laughs> you mean our most creative player? Yeah, our and, best um, number nine, yeah. God, that is such a great question. Here's what I will say, Sam. Um, I think this, I I said this in a podcast, I think the last podcast that we taped on Monday. I have a feeling, the reality is it's one of the most frustrating parts of qualifying for me. I love qualifying. We qualified and I love like the the pundit, the the, the Lalassian position. Don't matter how you do it, just matters that you get to the big dance. All that matters is qualify, mission accomplished. I don't, I don't believe in that. Like I do believe qualifying is a journey, and it's many journeys. Journeys in life. Uh, it's about progression. It's about learning your lessons. Um, it's about developing as individuals and as a collective. And the fact that we've come out of this, and by the way, we came out of it on goal difference. I want to leave that part, the the, the just mind-boggling part of the journey behind now. But we came out of it on goal difference. And um, we have so many question marks still hanging over this team. And it's frustrating. And it, it does niggle at me that we still don't know. We've got no idea who our best goalkeeper is. I mean, I think we kind of do. I think we kind of do. And it's Bradley Guzan. Um, I jest, I jest. I think we kind of do know. But again, um, it's Matt Turner. But 
we had Matt Turner in and then we yanked Matt Turner out. And I, I would imagine Matt Turner does not fully understand why he was yanked, yanked out. Um, and Zach Stefan, who is a remarkable human being, and I admire greatly, it wasn't just the last game. You can watch when he plays. There are always, there's this thing, Pickford is somewhat similar, great shot stopper. But there's always moments in that, of, in, this, in moments of profound decision making, um, the percentage of his decision making, the statistics bear this out. If you look at the goalkeeper saves percentages, um, Paul Carr uh, tweeted out, ultimately, I mean, it is Matt Turner, but Matt Turner right now does not know that he's the number one. Um, the number nine is just a gaping hole. Uh, it's up there with, in, in the olden days, no one knew who England's left wing would be. And we constantly, for several cycles, auditioned left wingers. So many England players in the early 90s who got one cap in their career. They were just kind of brought in the new hope and then flung aside. And the striker thing, we just, not only do we not know, but we've kind of done in so many of their confidence. And um, if I, 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 I worry for Pepe um, and where his mind is at uh, in the here and now. Poor Pafot, we, we ushered him in as our hero and we spat him out as fans. That one miss, we've decided he's crap. Um, and so the, 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 I, like, I, I'm not the manager. I don't watch them train. So I'm not the kind of boy that says, OK, this is my starting 11. I think that's uh, ultimately it's Greg Berhalter's um starting 11 and those are the big worries i've talked a, a little bit too much already about the captain thing i don't need to repeat that but i do think it should be bloody simple by the way Gio Reyna, a lot of people in their perfect starting 11s are banging Gio Reyna in um and and like moving tim ware up top to try and weld in you know all the players have geo on the right and christian Pulisic on the left there is a theory that I actually quite like, and I think Greg's used him as that in this window. Have bloody, have bloody Giorena come on in the second half as an impact sub. Like um, Romelu Lukaku, when he played at West Brom, used to come on only when the second half was way underway. I think Shane Long would exhaust uh, defenders, and when they were weak and absolutely shattered, they would unleash Romelu Lukaku, young Romelu Lukaku, confident Romelu Lukaku, and he would just charge exhausted defenders and dominate. And there is a, you know, there is a, I'm fascinated by the notion of Gio Reyna being the powder kept dry as the second half super sub. Um, but we will see there's a lot of football that needs to be played, a lot of form, um, a lot of injuries. Uh, please God, not a lot of injuries, but we've got to factor those in. And I also said this on a podcast on Monday. I have a feeling that at least one player is going to um, announce for the, or make a one time switch to the US camp. Um, before the World Cup. So if we factor all of those in, I'd say let's talk late October, Sam. Um, and by the way, I do want to uh, take my hat off to the core of US fans who last night on Twitter participated in a very active, how will the US do in the opening stage of the group? Somehow debating game by game what the score could be Um without even knowing who we were going to be playing. That's the kind of mindset that we're in for this World Cup. And I, I kind of love it in every regard. Sam, tell me, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? Oh, absolutely. We're going to do whatever it is. We are going to do yes. it the best. Whatever it is. That's, I love you. That's great. We should slam that on a T-shirt. Are the U.S. going to do it? Whatever it is. Ladies and gentlemen, we will do it the best. How high, how tall, how vertical do you want us to play? We will do it all. And that is that. I mean, I am fairly exhausted. I always feel this. I'll say this and then um, I'm going to let you beautiful human beings go. Thank you for joining me on this weird day. I remember the 2010 draw. I actually went up to Bristol, Connecticut. I sat in a room with lots of other journalists. ESPN had had all the football journalists um, travel to Bristol, Connecticut, which makes no sense. We watched the draw on large televisions in ESPN. Um, even though the World Cup draw was happening in South Africa, I'm not quite sure why we all went up there. Um, and we watched the draw and it was giddy. And oh my God, the reality kind of kicks in. But then you kind of realise, you kind of realise you've got months. Normally, actually, the draw happens like eight or nine months before the tournament. At least now it's just 231 days and on the way out the draw, I was so giddy, I was so hyperventilating. Again, England, uh, USA had drawn bloody England um, in that World Cup. And on the way out, um, I ran into 
um, John Skipper, who was then the president of ESPN. And I rather stupidly just said my own thing, which was my own mindset, which is that my mindset now is why I'm telling you this story. I just kind of breathlessly said to John Skipper, um, I said, oh, my God, I mean, how are we going to kill the time between now and the World Cup? Like, I can't come quick enough. It feels so far away. But how are we going to kill all that time? I was saying to the man that had like 87 ball games, uh, 253 NFL games, um, 470 baseball. I mean, just like a whole schedule to stress out about between now and the World Cup. And he just looked at me and goes, oh, uh, I think we'll find a way to kill the time between now and the World Cup. And that, that story makes me cringe how stupid I was. But my God, 12 years on, I still feel the same. How are we going to kill that time? Bring on that World Cup. I mean, an awful World Cup. Again, a World Cup soaked in blood. I think today we saw the farce. We saw the challenge to broadcasters too about how they lean into it. But we also saw for the United States of America, and I'm going to finish by raising my bud uh, to the task ahead of us because... My God, Monday, November 21st against Wales, Scotland or Ukraine. Friday, November 25th against bloody England. And then Tuesday, November 29th against Iran. All I can say, GFOPs, courage, believe, whatever it is, we can do it. <sighs> Bring it on. Big, big love. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking, what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami? There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.